everybody, this is Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and you're listening to The Itch. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're scratching the itch to sing the blues. Or (laughs) to play the blues, as the case may be. Or listen to the blues. Or listen to the blues, or talk to a guy who writes the blues. I don't know. Is it (laughs) hockey season yet? the blues play hockey, yes. (laughs) (laughs) In early episodes of The Itch, we talked about hockey a lot, I feel like. Or at least in like our pregame yeah. talk and it's been a while so <laughs> thanks glad we could slide that in here but i don't want to bury the lead too much we got to speak with a legend a blues rock legend a man who was made famous and winning awards as a teenager and who is going strong to this day and that is a man by the name of kenny wayne shepherd to say that we were a little giddy during this interview is an understatement <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong the little boy inside of me was jumping for joy. I'm telling you what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep saying this over and over, but if you would have told us when we started doing this that we would speak to a musician such as Kenny Wayne Shepherd, I uh, don't think we'd believe you. So Kenny is up to a lot over the past year or two. His breakthrough famous album was called Trouble Is, and he recently came out with a re-recorded version trouble is 25 where he went back and redid the entirety of the album as a man in his 40s as opposed to a man who was like 1920 so he's been touring for that for i don't know the last year year and a half or so and now he has also got new music on top of that brand new single called sweet and low just came out and it it is sweet in fact uh first single from his upcoming album that's coming out November 17th called Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1. And so we had to get in on this. Yeah, our, our shtick is new music. And to to know that somebody like Kenny Wayne Shepherd is is putting out new music, like we jumped at the opportunity to not only get a chance to listen to it, but to talk about it with him. Yeah, and we've been working on this interview for a, a little bit, and it kind of worked in our favor because at the time, the announcement of the new album and the new single was not available at the time. Initially. Yeah, Yeah, it is now. (laughs) And in fact, we got to listen to this record. And even though this episode will come out well in advance of the the album's release, (laughs) I want to encourage people, especially if Blues Rock is already your thing, especially if you're already familiar with Kenny. But even if you're not, go pre-save this thing right now. It'll be worth it. It is an excellent album. There's a lot of fun. I made a mental note that it's a shame that it's coming out in the middle of November because it definitely feels like a great album to play at like a summer cookout or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you can play it at Thanksgiving. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you could. Why not? Why not? It's a new new Christmas album. Kenny Wayne Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around the turkey with some blues. <laughs> there There's been many a times where... Um, I was thinking that they were going to cut us off from listening to it because I've just kept jamming out. And, and (laughs) it's unlike most of the advances we get, it's one that like will repeat itself after it it finishes. So I, I I kid you not, I caught myself listening to it like three or four times in a row. And I was (laughs) like, Oh, I should, I should probably stop this. They're going to cut us off. (laughs) I don't think you got to worry about that. They, they usually have their expiration dates, but I don't think it's due to you're listening too dang much. Yeah. (laughs) If it is, we'll find that limit someday with one of these releases. Who knows? That's true. I will try. (laughs) It was really exciting getting to talk to Kenny about the new album because he kind of talks about the composition of a couple of different songs and and how they worked in some new elements, um, which I, you know, you wouldn't think that somebody has been that's been doing this for so long would still be interested in trying to make, you know, work in new stuff and and, and do things differently. But yeah, it it was really interesting to hear his take on, on how that stuff came to be yeah and that was one thing you're speaking to a guy that is a master of his instrument and has been going strong for so many years but it's again always a joy to speak to someone that's just a fan of music and he's kind of a encyclopedia of not just blues but all things music 
Absolutely. Thank you to Kenny for giving us your time. Thank you to John from Prospect PR. Shout out to him for for working with us for a while to make this happen. He was very uh, patient and flexible, and that was very helpful. Yeah. We definitely want to call attention. The new tour for Kenny starts September 21st, and the show in Jeff City at the Capital Region MU Healthcare Amphitheater is a week later on September 28th. If you are near that or if you did not get a chance to see Kenny in St. Louis, um, I would definitely recommend making the trip. It is worth it. He was he put on such a great show, so many good cover songs and just you can just feel the the music channeling out of him. Yes. I'm glad that you mentioned that. So the first chunk here of Kenny's tour is near us. It's like hovering around St. Louis in the Midwest. You got Kansas City. Got Wichita, Des Moines, Jeff City, as Casey mentioned. He's coming to Indiana over by me. Not coming through St. Louis specifically. However, he came through St. Louis this past June. The guys got to go see it. And we've kind of just been sitting on our <laughs> review of that show in preparation for this. Because we were knew we were working towards booking an interview. And we wanted to kind of to put those together. And so... um We've already seen the man live on not quite this tour because he was he probably wasn't going to be playing as much of this new stuff as he probably will be. But we got to see the man live recently. It did not disappoint. And so what we've decided to do is just double these up. So you're going to have the interview. And then after that, stay tuned. And you can hear our take on seeing Kenny live in St. Louis this past June. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. We are here with the legendary Kenny Wayne Shepherd. We had the privilege of seeing you in June at the factory in Chesterfield at the tail end of the Trouble Is 25 tour. We actually sat in the same row as your mom and aunts. Mm. Uh, so just want to ask, you know, does the performance feel any different when you have family in attendance? It can, yeah. Sometimes that can be a, a good thing and sometimes it can be a lot, like depending on how much family is there. Because, you know, you already are committed to uh, a lot of your attention being committed to the show and trying to focus on putting on a good show, and this is my work environment, then you have to kind of divide your attention between the show and all of that and the family, you know, so everybody feels like they got to spend some time with you. But that was a really great show. I mean, it was, it's a great recently uh, opened venue. It's fairly new, right? A couple of years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great venue, great venue to play, great venue, I believe, to see a show. It was great. I got to spend some time with my family and, and see my mom and my aunts and uncles and things like that before and after the show. So I really enjoyed it. It's very cool. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan and Casey got to go. They were praising the venue and the performances. So you you guys all collectively had a great night together. Sounds right like. on. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of trouble is we do want to spend most of our time on the new album and the tour. But because I'm eternally fascinated by an artist's relationship to their past work, I did want to ask one thing about Trouble Is uh, 25, this, this re-recorded version of your breakout album. When you're listening back and reflecting and sort of reimagining that work, uh, some of it that you know you made as a teenager, right? what went through your mind now as a man who has decades of experience under his belt? Is it just kind of like... A flood of memories is it a self-critique of where you were then or yeah most of it was kind of like a trip down memory lane it was you know this kind of uh retrospective experience of looking back on it brought up so many different memories of being in the studio and we had almost the same all the same guys mm -hmm. except for uh except for tommy shannon on bass and because uh, he's retired and then um, James Cotton, who played originally played harmonica on one of the songs, he passed away several years ago. So we didn't have those two guys, but everyone else that was on the original album was on the, the new version. So, you know, we were reminiscing about all kinds of things. But I would say the 
the biggest thing I walked away with through that experience was number one, gratitude for the album, for the experience, for getting to do it a second time as well. For the success that we had with that album, it was so important to us. And between that album and the first album and laying that foundation, you know, with us and, and our fan base that's carried us now for going on 30 years. And also just being proud of what was accomplished and looking at that going, man, I was 18 years old and this album stands up today. This album would be legit today if it came out as, as a new record and not wanting to go back in and try and reinvent the record because I felt really satisfied with what was already there. You know? Yeah. Well, you have a new album coming out, which we are super excited to get to chat with you about. Dirt on My Diamonds Volume 1 is coming out November 17th. The first single, Sweet and Low, has already dropped, and we've had a chance to listen to the album, and it's a jam from start to finish. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand, you've been sitting on this album for a couple years now. Is that right? Yeah, we started this record right before the whole pandemic thing happened. And so, you know, rather than try and finish it up and release it, in, in a couple of years span where nobody knew what was going to happen next or how long it would be before we could get back out to work again. You know, I just thought, you know, we're just going to press pause on this thing and pick it up once things kind of get back to normal. So when things started trending in that direction, then we finished off the record and, and now is the time for it to come out. And what's great is that, you know, you notice that it's called volume one, which means there's a volume two as well. So this record is, coming out November 17th, and then we have a, another one that will be Verit on My Diamonds Volume 2 uh, that'll be coming out sometime within the next year after this comes out. So it's very exciting for me because, you know, we have two full-length albums that are ready, you know, to be put out there for the, for the fans to consume. And that means that, you know, that's set us up for a lot of touring to come over the next couple of years to support those albums. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, I was curious, you know, with the the trouble is and you just kind of had a lot of things going on at once. If you're just kind of waiting for things to kind of die down before you started a new a new venture kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to kind of I, I, some people put records out over the pandemic. It, to me, it just didn't make sense to do that. I just yeah. it made zero sense because I thought. Well, everything just kept getting postponed and canceled and postponed and canceled. There was no end in sight. I'm going, well, if we put an album out now, by the time we go back to work, people will be over it, you know, they won't even be interested in it. So what we ended up doing was we put out our very first live concert DVD called Straight to You Live. Yes. And that gave the fans the opportunity to have some of that kind of live experience of the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band in the comfort of their own home. Yeah. Awesome. There's definitely some songs on this new album that are going to be great to hear live. We're looking forward to the next time we get a chance to do that. We're also huge suckers for cover songs, and so we're hoping to pick your brain for a minute on a few that you've done, because both of these albums that we just talked about have a cover on them. Mm. Quick shout out to our our friend and fellow cover lover, Brian from My Weekly Mixtape. But first I want to bring up, from the Trouble Is 25 release, Ballad of a Thin Man by Bob Dylan. Now... You really can't go wrong with Dylan. But I am curious as to what led you to add that specifically to this new version of that record. Well, that song was recorded for the original Trouble Is album. Ah, okay. And it didn't make the cut. We we did two Bob Dylan songs for the original Trouble Is record. We did Everything Is Broken and we did Ballad of the Thin Man. We had to choose one. We also did two Hendrix songs we did uh when cries mary and we did i don't live today and i don't live today went on the record but i thought it would be cool to go back in and do a new a faithful recreation of that version of the dylan song and include it on the new version of trouble is because then people would get a song that was intended for that record that they never knew existed it's a real nice cherry on top of the whole project yeah yeah and Dirt on My Diamonds includes a cover of its own. And I was listening to it and a word came to mind I don't think I've ever used on our show before, but I would call it a rollicking rendition of Elton John's Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Right. Which you had uh, Elton's guitarist, Davey Johnson, gave his blessing for that. So kind of same question. Why the choice to include that amongst this collection of originals? Well, you know, we've done that historically over the years. You know, we'll do 
mostly new material and then we'll throw in a cover for good measure. It's just kind of our way of paying tribute, you know, to people who we respect and, and admire. And, and obviously uh, it's a, usually a song that I think we can do a good version of, which I think we did a good version of this song, but yeah, the timing of this is, is appropriate as well because Elton Stewart his whole farewell tour. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just a good opportunity for us to like give them a nod, you know, mm-hmm. and just say thanks for all the music. And, you know, he was an incredible artist. He had so many, he could rock, he could sing ballads with the best of them. I mean, he could do just about anything. And, uh, this is a, a great example of a, of a rocking song that he did that is to the test of time. I'd like to kind of flip the table and turn the table a little bit. And as a show that primarily focuses on the heavier side of rock, we have to ask about Five Finger Death Punch cover of Blue on Black from their Justice for None album in 2018, which features Brian May, Brantley Gilbert, and yourself. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us about that? And what was it like to be featured on, on your own song, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool, man. I mean, I, I've been waiting for somebody to come along and cover that song because, you know, I'm a little biased, but really taking off my artist hat and just looking at that song objectively, I just believe that is a bonafide hit song. And it doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter what genre. Country artists could do it. Metal, rock, blues. It just doesn't matter because it's it's just a, a hit song. And so I was kind of waiting for somebody to come along and do it. Those guys did it. And it was really cool that we did a version and you know they asked me to be involved. And Brian May, which was... A real thrill and Brantley Gilbert, who's tremendously talented and he does it. He does the, sh- the song in his live concerts. I've seen some YouTube videos of him doing it in his show. Obviously, the Five Finger guys do it in their show. I do it in my show. <laughs> if we could just get Brian May to do it in his show. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm waiting. It was good timing because that song, it had been, oh, it had been like, what, 20 years since that song was number one for us and i told those guys when they did it i'm like man i'm telling you bro like if you release this as a single this will hit number one i'm just telling you. and they did and it hit number one for them too and so you know i wish a real like country artist would do a new version of it as well uh, because i think this song just is one of those kind of genre bending songs it's like it can really be done by just about anybody i agree definitely true one more for you here. Uh, I have to ask about Joe Walsh and your cover of Turn to Stone, which you had on the 2019 album, The Traveler. You just completely go off on that track, and I can listen to it anytime and enjoy it just as if I'm hearing it for the first time. And I was extremely happy to hear that song live when you played it this past June. So what is your favorite thing about that song? You know, I just love, I mean, Joe has been a friend of mine since I met him when I opened up for the Eagles back in 1995, right? So I was a kid and we've been friends ever since. And I admire him as a human being, as a guitar player. I mean, he's just, he's the total package. He's the real deal. And I love him to death. And so I wanted to do one of his songs, but I tend to want to go deeper into people's catalogs you know like most people go oh you're gonna cover joe Walsh, so you're gonna do rocky mountain way or Funk 49 yeah. or, <laughs> you know they, they go for the for the obvious kind of low-hanging fruit but i like to kind of dig deep and find those album cuts man that you know and maybe then you're turning some people on to more of a different artist catalog you know they oh, it's a joe Walsh song i didn't know that i mean a lot of people know that song but i would imagine there's a lot of people that know rocky mountain way that don't know that song right and maybe some of those people are my fans and then when they hear me do that song maybe they'll go dig into his catalog a little bit more and find that song and some more you know totally get it yeah <laughs> i want to pivot to to something that it's another thing that kind of caught my curiosity so you have you know this working relationship with noah hunt he's been your vocalist for more or less you guys work together your entire careers and it got me thinking, okay, you know, his his job is, you know, putting the words to what you're writing and your job is putting the guitar to it. Where do the lyrics and the themes of, okay, this is what I want this next project to, you know, explore, where do those come from? Is that is that mostly your doing or is it a collaborative effort within the band or? No, it's it's really me and the, the people that I sit down and write the songs with. And then bringing that to life is me, is whoever produces the record, which you know, the past few albums has been uh, a co-production 
situation where with me and Marshall Altman. Okay. I really love working with him, but you know, that's where, okay, we got this body of material. I write all these songs. Some of them I wrote with Marshall. Some of them I wrote with other guys that Marshall helped introduce me to as well. And, uh, and then we go, okay, here's all the songs. You know, let's start honing in on what this album really is and then bring it to life. You know, I mean, I've written a couple of songs. Noah's been involved with a couple of songs over the years, but you know, I just find that, you know, when it comes to the real, songwriting thing it's like i i'll write with anybody i'll write with anybody <laughs> that when the end result it ends up being a, a great song and a lot of times especially now that i'm living in nashville i've always written with people from nashville and uh now it just makes it a little more convenient but i've always had really great success writing with people from nashville because a lot of those people just write country music every day and they're just dying to do something other than that you know yeah. <laughs> and so when when I walk in the door and it's like, hey, we're going to write some blues, we're going to write some rock and roll, it's like a breath of fresh air. You know, people get fired up for that stuff because it's, it's not the same daily grind, you know? Yeah, we have a friend that writes music in Nashville. <laughs> uh, who doesn't at this point, I think? It's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Stevens of the Axes and the, the Four Horsemen. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Scott. It seems to be a very uh, creative place and <laughs> yeah. use for a lot of people nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the last real music city in the country, like 100% in all genres. It's It's gone way beyond country music. You know, it's like every, everybody's there. And all the companies are there from the record companies, to the booking agents, to the publishing companies, to the backline companies. It's just everything's there. So it's great for that, for sure. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap up the interview here with what we like to call burning questions. And it's just a little set of questions that we like to ask everyone, kind of top of mind kind of thing. So uh, what's a song or an album that changed your life? I would say Voodoo Child, Jimi Hendrix. There you go. And I, we play that song almost every show mm-hmm. we ever do. It's like the, the last song of the encore. And it just never gets old. But the <laughs> greatest guitar anthem ever written, probably. That was my my second favorite song that you did. Uh, Turn to Stone was was the one I really wanted to hear, but then when you started playing Voodoo Child, I was like, all right, all right, I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's a no skips album for you? Uh, album that you're gonna put in and not skip any of the tracks on it? Um, I would probably say like my favorite my favorite album from start to finish, is, and I've said this for years and years, is a Muddy Waters album called Hard Again. 1977 Blue Sky Records produced by Johnny Winter. Johnny Winter played guitar on it. Muddy Waters on fire. You can hear these guys. It's one of the greatest bands he ever had. Willie Big Guy Smith on drums, James Cotton on harmonica, Pine Top Perkins on piano. I think Calvin Fuzz Jones on bass, um, Johnny Winter on guitar, and Bob Margolin on guitar. And you can just hear these guys. It's totally legit. They're just playing the music in the studio. It's not. They're not laying a bunch of crap. They're not overdubbing stuff. They're just <laughs> playing the music and they just happen to be recording it. And it just sounds so incredible. And the, the energy is so great that every time I listen to that record, I just from the top all the way down to the last song every time. Nice. Last one here. Choose between your children. <laughs> so a song off of the upcoming album, Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1. What is a song that you're especially proud to have written? Oh, well, that's, you know, I'm proud of all of them. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the cheesy answer. Yeah. I'll give you three. My, my favorite. We can do that. Sure. I like Sweet and Low because mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, that speaks to, there's a lot of musical influences there. I like uh, You Can't Love Me because I think that one is, I like the message in that. I like the production, all of that song. And then uh probably Dirt on My Diamonds being, you know, the title track of the record, just because, you know, that's kind of blues rock all wrapped up in one song right there, you know, and it, and it's just got that aggre- that chest pounding aggression to it. <laughs> yeah. I loved Sweet and Low just because of the just additional elements that you wouldn't expect, like, you know, like the turntable action in it. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is it's really that's become a, a source of controversy for some people it's like <laughs> some people are like what's that 
wow, what's that wiki wiki sound? And, <laughs> and, uh, I, and, you know, in all fairness, it's like, that's an example of us trying to do things that not everybody is doing. Right. And, and trying to pull the genre into, you know, the 21st century. Um, but also it's like, you know, I grew up in my generation is the generation that witnessed the birth of hip hop. You know what I mean? Right. And so, I mean, as a kid, when I was listening, cause I listened to, I'm a well-rounded person when it comes to music. I mean, my dad played everything on the radio and so we listened to it all. So I listened to everything from, you know, Metallica to Muddy Waters to Jimi Hendrix to, you know, I mean, jazz, R&B, James Brown, all that stuff to, run dmc mm-hmm. and uh you know and even in my high school years you know snoop dogg and dr dre and all that stuff i mean even if you weren't like a major hip-hop fan you couldn't not hear that stuff because that was like the that was the pop music right from my generation along with grunge and all that other stuff but like it was all happening and it was like evolving and that's like all part of my generation so you know, the people that don't even know what to call it, that they don't even know that it's a record scratching sound. And they're like, <laughs> what is that sound? You can tell that those, there are a couple of generations older than me, which is great because I love those girls. Yeah. And they support this music. But everybody that's, that's my age or younger absolutely knows what that sound is. Now, whether or not you think it belongs in a Kenny Wayne Shepherd song, that's your opinion. But we thought it was really cool to put it in there. And it's something that like, when was the last time you heard something like that in a blues rock song? You know? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. We're doing new things, you know. We're fans. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely fans of that song and the album, the whole album. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that, November seventeenth. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us. We we really appreciate your time, and uh, we also want to give a special shout out to John and Prospect PR for connecting us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Itch. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, ain't nothing any sweeter. (laughs) You're damn right. (laughs) You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're scratching the itch to see a legend. Yes. Kenny Wayne Shepard. Burst onto the scene with his style of blues rock as a teenager uh, in the 90s and has gone strong ever since. When we were looking into this, I was amazed to realize how close we are in age because I was like, yes, haven't I known about you since I was a kid? <laughs> yep. And so the man is still going strong. That's because he was technically a kid when, when we knew about him. Exactly. I didn't realize that <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, the talent shows because he looks like he's been playing for years. And from what I understand, he's been playing since like, he was I, like, I don't know, seven years old or something like that. Yeah, playing since before he was 10. Crawl, walk, run, play guitar. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the trajectory of, of learning skills. Yeah. But you guys had the pleasure of seeing Kenny uh, at the factory not long ago. Yeah, actually, like just a couple of days after seeing Grandson at the factory, we had the pleasure of going back there to see Kenny Wayne Shepherd. And the reason why I wanted to mention that is because it, it was really weird going to see a Grandson show and then going back there. And like, it not only was it a completely different atmosphere, but it was also set up completely different inside, too. Hmm. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah. One of the interesting things about doing this is, you know, we have our email account and every once in a while we'll get things that pop in and kind of out of nowhere, but we got a connection from uh, Kenny's PR, John, and it's potentially leading to a a few things down the road, but we, uh, nothing set in stone, but we were able to attend the show through John. So we definitely want to thank John for that. Yeah. And it's just incredible. Um, We can't say this enough. Like, you know, we talk about this and it's really it's a lot of fun to talk about going to these shows, but it's also so surreal to be like, you know, recognized for what we do and in kind of like here, you know, attend the show because we want to know your opinion and we want you guys to talk about it and do what you do, which that like for me was an honor in itself. And then for it to be for Kenny Wayne Shepherd of all right. people. Yeah. 
just like surreal. So th- that was just amazing. And to, to top it off too, we're picking up our tickets from Will Call and our friend, we ran into our, a friend of ours um, from another radio station, actually the voice of the itch, Jason Church, yeah. uh, which we will be having on our show eventually. Um, so if you ever listen to the radio show and you hear our liners or our bumps, th- that is Jason Church. He's the the original voice of the itch. Yeah. And we ran into him and, and he's like, you know, he gets his tickets and we were like, we were talking to him and he's like, oh, where are you guys sitting? And we both looked down and we're like, oh, uh, section 102. What about you? And he's like, oh, I'm in 206. And we're just like, oh, I don't know this place, but 206 sounds a lot farther away from the stage than 102. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that to him. But I said, why would you say that to him? I didn't, no, no, no. So my point being, though, is like it, it just it just kind of goes to show you like it was it adds to the surrealness. Like, you know, right. Because Jason's been in the industry, and, and from what I understand, like I think his tickets were kind of business related as well. Just yeah. for the, I guess it was just surreal. It was it just added it to the surrealness. Yeah, because like I, I didn't want, we didn't say that it was like I didn't I didn't want to be like oh wow look at you know, right one hundred two but no. it's just it's just interesting the the transition of the itch from being purely a college radio show into into a media outlet basically. Yes. Yes. And so this kind of stuff is, I mean, it is and will continue to be par for the course because now that's a part of what we do. Um, but it still is just, it's neat when this kind of stuff crosses your desk, as it were. So big shout out to John and to Prospect PR. They do good work. We, uh, we, we had a conversation with Michaela from Shorefire <laughs> Media, who was our contact when we were, had the conversation with Grandson about how uh, publicists and PR folks, they don't really get, much love and respect that they deserve for the hard work they do. So we want to, we want to shout those people out and drop a name now and then. Yes. So yeah, definitely was interesting running into Jason at will call, which we, so a couple of funny things we get our tickets and I was kind of hoping that the person that was working the will call booth, uh, when we saw grandson was there for, for this show, but they were not, it was a different person, but the person he wanted that to be recognized, Jeez. Well, well it's, it's, it's not so much. It's, it's not so much that I just wanted to see if she would recognize would recognize us. But come on. Like, right. It, it did happen, though, with the person that scanned my ticket. She looked at my shirt and she said, hey, wait a minute. Weren't you just here like a couple days ago? I was like, yes. Yes, I was. Brand recognition. That is right. Didn't recognize Casey, so to speak, just his, his T-shirt and brand. just my T-shirt. Yeah. Because <laughs> for for those that don't know, anytime we go to a concert, t- Casey is typically wearing the itch shirt. We call him the itch billboard. Yes, yes, he is always representing. <laughs> we, you know, the others try. We we try to represent, but for one, my itch shirt is almost in like shambles. It's it's not it's almost a, just a black t shirt. The, at the three shirts that I had made for Shiprocked are too small for me now. They shrink <laughs> after I watched them. I was so freaking mad. So, like, I'm back to square one with shirts. Now, here we go. <laughs> we encourage Dan not to wear his original age shirt because it, it's it's grody to the point where it might it's... actually make us look bad. <laughs> who are who is that company? Probably died twenty years ago. Like, <laughs> it just says the it. Like, what the hell is yes, the, the it? it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> it's his new side spinoff, the it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Theme we song we, by we, Faith No More. <laughs> <laughs> it's epic. It's, it's epic indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, rabbit trail. So you yeah, guys yeah, saw yeah. Kenny Wayne Shepherd. That's the rumor I heard. And yeah, so we got our tickets, and they took us to our seat, which was crazy because there were seats. Like it was all set up in sections. There was like almost a hundred people per section. Uh, yeah, it was like ten rows of ten people. Yeah, so, yeah, it was it was awesome to be so close, um, and and just the venue was was just really well. That that place never ceased to amaze me. I've been there twice now for two different, completely kind of concerts. Um, both of them sounded amazing, no matter how far away or close you are to the stage. And like this one was full, Can't, like Kenny Wayne Shepherd. It was it was it was full. Like there was people everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. All right. Up on yeah. top on the balcony and the seats everywhere and the back 
the elevated hanging like, from the rafters. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were. Well, the the, yeah. the rafters were actually open this time. They they were closed for the grandson show. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the balcony section. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's one other thing that we kind of have to call attention to. Um, Dan had seat three, and I <laughs> had seat one. Um, so not really sure how that worked, but um, I don't ask questions. There was somebody that had seat two, which come to later find out that that was uh, Kenny Wood Shepherd's uh, family. <laughs> it was more specifically, it was his mom. You you, yeah. you can't leave that part out. It was his mom. <laughs> Um, another mom connection yes because <laughs> she came over and asked casey and she's like i think you're in my seat and he's like oh. I, I don't think so i, I got t- seat one and she's like well i got seat two and i'm like i'm at seat three i was like if you want to sit here you can and then she's like well I'll, I'll just figure something out and she went to the other side with the rest of the family um because apparently like he said in his show that he had his two aunts and his mom there and yeah. it was funny because like when he's like my mom's here he's like you know my family's from missouri and uh my family's here and like the row just went crazy and they're like, they're right here, right next to us, right next to us in this row (laughs) is Kenny Wayne's entire family. Yeah. (laughs) What I took from that really was that Casey stole Kenny Wayne Shepard's mom's seat. Yeah, probably. (laughs) That's what I was imagining was really what happened. They were just going to stick her out there on the edge by herself. Like me and Casey in between her and the rest of the family. I don't. I don't know how that happened. The, must, the, the allocation of tickets must have uh, gone awry there somehow. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it all worked out. Like it did. It she did. sat where she needed to sit. Yeah, that's right. It was better actually that she was on that side. To be honest, and to be honest, like you know, it would have been funny. Well, probably not for the person that did this, but like if somebody would have like said, "Ma'am, you know, can I check your ticket?" And like, you know, made her go back and like find out that it's Kenny Wayne's Shepherd's mom. You're like, oh, man, I just I told her to go sit down. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but that was that was another interesting kind of wrinkle that happened throughout the night. So, yeah, another uh, your mom's favorite podcast moment. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so. Starting the show off, we had a great opener. It was just a, a, a basically a, a blues guitarist and a bassist on stage. Mr. King Solomon Hicks was the official opener, uh, and he played with. And I apologize, I, I didn't quite catch the bassist's name, but he was apparently a two-time Grammy-winning bassist, mm-hmm. um, and and they were awesome. Like it, for just being a guitar and a bass, it, it was incredible. It was it just a like my, it was like my first real blues experience, to be honest. Yeah. I wanted to call attention to that because as much as I enjoy blues music and especially like when you talk about legends like this, uh, I've never really seen a true blues show. So this was the first one and it was, it was amazing just to watch a guy play blues guitar and then have a guy on bass, just killing it between the two of them. And being in a blues show is different than a rock show. Cause You'll just be jamming out, and then all of a sudden you'll just hear people in the crowd be like, "Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. you play that guitar." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a different vibe. I I liken it to uh, like a reggae ska show almost. Yes, like, yes. But it's you know it's a different type of crowd. Like it's it's usually your older kind of uh, heads. You know, you're you're like uh, you're not your Grateful Dead people, but like right. you're you know just your older type of uh, like we call them the KC crowd around here in St. Louis. Yeah. 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 The classic rock type people uh, that like, you know, like your Aerosmith fans and you know, th- that like that blues style. Yeah. Molly hatchet fans. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Molly hatchet, yes. Yes. Well, and Solomon Hicks has played with legends in his own right, uh, opening for guys like Joe Bonamassa and Ringo Starr. I believe he opened for Jeff Beck at one point as well. So he's uh, very well known in the blues world, and he's he's only 28 years old himself. So he's phenomenal. I love it. You on the surface, like if I had to stereotype, I would stereotype the blues as an old man's kind of music. 
Um, and there's obviously something to that with the idea of singing the blues and having experienced some ups and downs of life. And usually that is a thing that comes with age. But I love that there are also young people yeah. who perhaps because they have also experienced those ups and downs of life at a young age, maybe not, but who just love the sound and love the style and, and playing and are more than qualified to take blues and blues rock, you know, into another generation. Yeah. And for Solomon Hicks specifically, he was uh, born in Harlem, New York, and he's performed at the Apollo theater. And uh, he appeared at BB uh, King's club for a few years as well. So uh, he's just, there's, there's certain guy and Kenny Wayne Shepard could be thrown in there as well. Cause he, uh, he's played with legends all throughout his career. So, well, and this was just like a, a you know, we talk about match maids and, you know, in heaven and like great opening acts. And this was just a perfect opening act for Kenny Wayne Shepard. The only thing I think that could have made it just a little bit better is if Solomon would have came out and played with Kenny Wayne at some point. Like, that would have been really mm. cool. That was the only thing I felt like I was missing. You got to have a duel. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. And I was actually going to make mention of that. That was the only thing that I wish that they would have done was kind of either either had Kenny Wayne join him and just kind of trade off doing some blues riffs or or have him join Kenny Wayne Shepherd's band for a couple of songs like towards the end. Yeah. Like, especially like for the Jimi Hendrix uh, cover, because yeah. like, from what I understand, like uh, that was like one of the things that got uh, Solomon Hicks into playing yeah. music. That was the first thing he played was Jimi Hendrix. So I think like for one of the Hendrix covers that Kenny Wayne Shepherd did, that would have been incredible to see Solomon come out, Solomon Hicks come out and, and play some guitar with him. Definitely agree there. But as we have found out, that's you know sometimes that can be hard to coordinate, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yep. you know, it's so it, it's understandable when that doesn't happen. And besides that, you know, it seems like we'll we'll kind of get into this a little bit more. But like Kenny Wayne's band is kind of very well rehearsed because they have their role and they understand what is expected of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about Kenny Wayne Shepherd coming up on stage. <laughs> can I chime in with w- one of the few? bits of value I think I can bring to this conversation since I wasn't (laughs) at the show with you guys. Yeah. So for further context here, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard's most well-known album, arguably, is an album called Trouble Is. And Trouble Is came out 25 years ago. And so this year he has released a 25-year reinterpretation where he basically re-recorded, you know, all those same tracks that he had he had made back then as as a, a kid basically um you know with his current um tendencies and preferences and chops and so this tour is taking that out on the road so one of the things that i actually didn't know about kenny wayne shepherd before seeing them live is that he has like a band and not only does he have a band but he has a singer for his band that's not him uh, yeah. yes <laughs> i i i'm naive and i clearly thought that like all his big hits were like him singing but no actually it is mr noah hunt and this dude has an amazing vocal yeah yeah noah's been with them since 97 so since when trouble is was made that's how long he's been with them so you had you know basically two teenagers almost almost in their you know 17 18 19 years old uh just rocking out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and they continue to do it however old they are right now and still sound great and <laughs> play music great and you know that's kind of what i meant about how the band they know their role and, and i'm not, not trying to see like they you know they're just there to support kenny wayne they are all amazing musicians in their own right and i think they're all multiple grammy grammy winners um but what I'm saying is that like, you know, they all have like their time to shine in the spotlight and then they, you know, will kind of run the background and let Kenny take over and do his thing. And, and so it was just really cool because like, you know, there was a time where like Noah would, would come out and he'd sing his ass off and then, you know, he'd step in kind of, you know, to a little bit in the, the background yeah. and Kenny would step up. Yeah. They definitely had, had some nice choreographed um, movements on stage where, where one guy would kind of step towards the front and then the other guys would step towards the back. And then the, the guy playing the, of course the guy playing the keyboards and, and the drummer 
uh, are kind of stationary, but uh, <laughs> but they definitely had their time to shine as well throughout the evening. <laughs> but uh, Kevin McCormick, uh, his bass player, rocked out a awesome solo for like four minutes. <laughs> it was it was amazing. <laughs> and that was one thing that I loved and i feel like i've been missing in a lot of concerts because for one i haven't been to a lot of classic rock concerts in a long time but like you know modern bands just don't really because there's not a lot of time they don't have that much time in their sets but they don't really take the time to take out like you know a solo for the drummer a solo for the bassist a solo for the keyboardist a solo for the singer a solo for the for the main guitarist yeah uh, and, and you know that's that was definitely present all throughout the set list there's no doubt definitely and he, he hit up a, a lot of what we wanted to hear, obviously, because, you know, he, he played some tracks off of his most recent release, The Traveler. Um, and then he played a lot of songs off of Trouble Is. Um, the interesting thing for me, watching more or less, you know, a living legend on stage, uh, you know, you, you hate throwing that word around, but for this, it works. I mean, it, it's a true statement. But watching... Kenny Wayne Shepherd play like there's there's certain artists that you that you watch and it's just a different experience because they're so great at what they do mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's how you felt Dan but but just kind of sitting there you kind of you kind of just get lost in the moment a little bit because you're just watching him and you're so focused on what he's doing because he's so awesome at it yeah and it's amazing seeing artists like that that where their instrument is almost like a part of them Yes. You know, we talked about that before. I specifically remember kind of having a long conversation when I was talking about Cody Denton of Lydia's Castle. It's yes. like you just kind of, he just, like the music's channeling through them, like through their bodies, through their mind, their soul to that guitar and then out that amplifier to us. Like it's just, it's just amazing thing to see that, you know, and be, be a part of that experience. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's other blues guitarists uh, comes to mind for me is Joe Bonamassa, which I would love to see live as well but i haven't had the pleasure of doing so just yet but well we're adding him to the list (laughs) but yeah just watching watching him play and certain notes that he hits with like he'll strum with his he strums in in like four or five different ways that not a lot of people it's it's kind of like similar to like a tom morello like finding different ways to play the guitar like there's different ways that he comes around with his hand or flicks his thumb or just little, little tweaks with his body that it's, it's a minor thing, but it's, it makes different sound and it just looks different. And it's, it's awesome to watch. Joe Bonamassa is coming to the fabulous Fox in November. (laughs) Stay tuned for each coverage potentially. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, one of the things that made an impression on me was how much fun Kenny Wayne Shepard is still having up on stage. Like he's been doing this for like 25, 30 years and he still looks like a kid in a candy store up there, you know, playing his <laughs> guitar. He's just, you know, in another reality when he, when he's up there on stage and, and you can tell that, that, that energy and that, that love and passion for, for what he's doing just comes through. Yeah. And, and for us, an added bonus was, you know, sitting so close, but, um, just watching him kind of sway back and forth on stage, you know, that was one thing that I, I thought was awesome that he did was he made sure to to walk across the length of the stage and to kind of play to where the different parts of the crowd got to see him front and center more or less. So that hmm. I, I enjoyed that a lot because there were, there were certain times where he would go to the complete opposite end of the stage. Yeah. Because the factory is a big stage. It's a yeah. deep stage, too. And, and like everybody used that whole stage in that band. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had Joe on the keyboards. And there's something that not all the keyboards aren't really a prominent. I mean, there's synthesizers and, and different computer tracks that use keyboard sounds sometimes. But there, there's not a whole lot of like straight up organ that you hear and you got to hear that a lot in this set. Um, there was two things that I wanted to, to call attention to. So there was two songs that I wanted to hear. And I, I told Dan about, about one of them. And so he starts playing 
Joe Walsh's turn to stone. And as, as soon as he starts playing it, it was like, I was like, just what I wanted to hear. Cause at, <laughs> at one point Noah said, you know, this is the last song we're going to play off the traveler. And I'm like, Oh no, because <laughs> the traveler was the one that had turned to stone on it, but then they saved it for like the third to last song. And so it was, it was awesome. That was one of my favorite songs that he does because he, he makes that song his own. And uh, if we get a chance to talk to him, I definitely wanted to kind of mention that song specifically and, and covers uh, in general, because blues rock is known for, you know, doing lots of different covers and it's Kenny Wayne Shepherd specifically. The other song that he, that he covers and does a fantastic job of is Voodoo Child, Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Yeah. I mean, every song he did was just amazing. He did an extremely awesome version of Voodoo Child. And I think he finished the show with that, didn't he? He, fin- he finished the show with it. And it was like a little over 10 minutes long of a, of a Voodoo Child. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he was having a blast up on stage playing that song. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, I remember you, you guys texted me, I think during the show and we're like, this dude looks like he's having the time of his life up here. And I was like, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Right. Uh, we're at a show. Like, that's that's a great report. Yeah. So it was phenomenal watching him do his thing. And definitely uh, for those that are, when, once this, this next leg of the tour happens, uh, if you have a chance to check out Kenny Wayne Shepherd, you should do it. And for any of those that are going to the factory for any concert anytime soon, we learned something when we went to Grandson. We learned where to park um, oh. so that you can like get on the last <laughs> row. Because as soon as that concert was over, we were booking it to our car. Because if you don't get out like within that first wave, you're going to be stuck. Like That is my mm-hmm. biggest gripe about the factory is that there is only one exit to that parking lot. And if you don't get out quickly, you are going to be there for a long time. Yeah. And if you don't park on the one of the far sides, so you can, and and pull in a certain way where you can just pull straight just pull out, out and go, you will be stuck for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Note for a future itch segment: concert survival tips. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, the factory is quickly becoming one of our favorite venues in St. Louis, and uh, lots and lots of shows are coming through town. So we're excited. Yeah, we're going to be yeah there for that. That's for sure. Right on. <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed our rendition of seeing Kenny Wayne Shepherd live with King Solomon Hicks. Thank you very much for listening to The Itch. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, go see like a jazz concert or a blues concert or, or some other kind of music concert. Just expand your horizons. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about The Itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. <laughs> You'll appreciate it. <laughs> I like that it was like a really long one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right. <laughs> I'm giving out instructions now. That's right. There's, <laughs> there's the itch concert advice right there. <laughs>